Welcome back to the Bigger and Hunters podcast. Your host, Hunter Dydle. Man, we are in the heat of summer, which means it's a perfect time to sit down, subscribe to the Bigger and Hunters podcast, jump on and rate and review this podcast. We'd sure appreciate it. So if you want to join the community, because today we are going to be talking about Nebraska's controversial move to have an elk depredation tag, unlimited tag, in the state of Nebraska, I guess the southwestern part of Nebraska. It's been a big issue. It's been a big topic of uh, the the sportsman world, especially here in Nebraska. So if you got an opinion, we'd love to hear it. Jump on Facebook, join the Bigger and Hunters podcast fans forums page. Give us your opinion. We'd love to hear it. Love to talk about it. That's what we're here for. So today's episode is brought to you by the other guys outfitters. Um, Crager and Matt are great guys. If you're playing your hunt for this next year, now is the time. It's time, you know, we're all sitting there day, uh, daydreaming about ducks dropping in or uh, maybe a goose dropping in your spread. It's time to plan that trip. Get down to it. Uh, check out the other guys' outfitters on Facebook and Instagram. I know they're working on a website, so I'm sure that'll be up here soon. So make sure to DM, get some prices, get all that jazz, and get your trip planned because so, I promise you, you will you will not be sad that you did it. You're going to be very happy about it. So, all right, guys, let's go ahead and jump into the podcast. Welcome back to the Bigger Hunters podcast. This is Hunter, your host, and Jeremy. I want you to talk like that the entire time. Well, that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. No, I'm just kidding. How's your week been, Jeremy? Well, it's Monday. I've already worked two days, so. Me too, bruh. Yeah. I've got... Oh, I I guess, yeah, you did do the wedding, so yeah, that would be 13 hours yesterday, bruh. Yeah. But other than that, it's been pretty good. If you guys are looking for wedding photography, check out Faithful Images, faithfulimages.org. Shay and I do wedding photography, so if you want the not-so-famous Bigger at Hunters Hunter on the Bigger at Hunters podcast, come take photos. <laughs> <laughs> Hit us up. <laughs> hell, of a, oh, hell of an advertisement there. <laughs> but I will make you giggle. I'll tell you what. And Che will probably boss you around, but in a good way, like in a positive, like, come on, we need to get over it kind of thing. She's, she's scary. Uh, <laughs> she actually, yes, we had a conversation today about it, and, like, everybody assumes their different roles, like, naturally work, and, yeah. like, she tends to naturally assume the uh, the role of, like, I, would, I don't want to say demanding, but, like, kind of pushy, because, like... <clears throat> when people are in a wedding, they're they're it's like herding cats. Like everybody's not really sure what they need to be doing at the time. They're trying to like, kind of be helpful, but they're not really being helpful. Mm-hmm. So like sometimes you do just have to like tell people what to do, when to do it, and sometimes it's direct. And so I don't think necessarily people take it ba- in a bad way, but I don't know. Like I like she's like 
She has phenomenal at portraits. Like, that's mm-hmm. her thing. I'm more of a natural photographer. I like people in their natural environment, just doing what they want. Yeah. I want to see the emotions. Like, there's a photo I got of my, uh, the groom yesterday. The brother of the, the wife was telling a joke, and he, like, leaned over and was, like, laughing, and I caught him, like, yeah. perfectly. And you, like, forever will remember that memory of, like, his, that speech and, like, what kind of humor it brought and, like, that's the kind of motion that I enjoy. So, like, <clears throat> I do that. I like landscapes. So, like, and I like detail shots, too. But, like, so we, we have a nice balance of flow between the two of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, I I like doing it. You know, she usually does, like, 10 or 12 weddings a year. And I like helping out with, like, four or five of them. I wouldn't want to do it, like, full time. And I definitely wouldn't want to do it every weekend. But, you know, for what we do it we have a lot of fun yeah so really enjoy it so if you guys are looking for a wedding photographer Shame, it, shameless plug yeah not at all not even a little <laughs> bit <laughs> but other than that the wedding went fun um the contractor market's heating up i am kind of curious on how everything there's a few things in the contractor market that's kind of making me nervous I mean, there's definitely still a lot of big jobs hanging around for the commercial market. seems like the residential market is slowing down, but it's not stopped. But, I mean, I don't, I don't foresee, I really don't foresee it, at least in our area, stopping because the market was so hot and there's just not, there's such a deficit on housing that I really don't see it stopping. Yeah, I mean, oh. For our area, they've been saying for the last couple of months, in order to keep up, they had to implement 500 housing spaces a year, basically. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Between apartments and then houses. Yep. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's a there's a couple more apartments that are going to go up. I can't think. It's not 14th or Antelope. It's like a couple over there. They call them the Telegraph. They've been they've been putting a ton up on the south side of town. Yep. Like an absolute ton. In fact, I drove by one the other day. I drove by the spot. It's probably been a couple months. It's usually one of the ways I go out to head south for hunting. Yep. And uh, I drove by it for the first time in a few months the other day. And there's literally an apartment complex that was not there. <laughs> Where'd you come from? Yeah, I, I, I literally was like, are you serious? <laughs> like, I knew they were putting something up there, but I didn't realize how big it was. And it's like a six or seven story apartment building. I mean, it, it's, yeah, so. Can't beat that. No. I mean, I, I, you can beat that because I don't really like environment being destroyed, but. I, you know. It's catch-22 for me. I feel that same way because yeah. for me, things like that mean a lot of work. I mean, for instance, we've still got like six houses to do before the end of fall, yep. which doesn't seem like a whole lot, but the size of the houses is a lot. So it's great. But I have always had that in my mind is like watching all these areas get torn down, areas that I used to see a lot of wildlife areas that I went, man, I'd love to hunt that kind of stuff. I mean, in fact, there's one area that I can remember. We did one of the first dozen houses in the area probably 10 years ago, and it's there's 
five, six hundred houses in that area now. Hmm. Yeah, I can think of. Yeah, I think I pointed to you the place I shot my first goose was now there's a <clears throat> there's a pond there's a bunch of businesses and there's a road and it's still kind of an open grassy area where it actually like happened but in that same field there's now businesses and stuff where I shot my first goose well and we've got two or three lakes immediately around town that I've hunted for years um, mostly for deer and then doves and stuff like that and none of them actually I don't all but one of them you can't duck hunt anymore but there's two or three lakes around town that are very quickly going to be, I see them changing the laws yeah. in the next probably decade, and you're not going to be able to hunt them. Yeah, I could see that. Or they'll make it an archery thing or, you know, a, you know, because I, I was listening to a podcast about sub-gauges, I kind of would be curious to know if they've ever thought about doing sub-gauges um, for certain types of hunting in those areas hmm. that's a good idea yeah i guess i haven't really thought about that i dude okay the podcast i listened to was the newest mid-valley mercenary podcast and it was titus and gotta listen to matt didn't you? titus and matt have you seen that have you seen that video of him on his e-bike Mm-mm. oh my gosh you gotta watch that dude <laughs> <It's> so funny <laughs> he eats it so hard but they i saw in the title that they were talking about sub gauges and Oh, dude, as soon as I have the money, I'm buying one. I gotta. I've been watching Matt with his sub-gauges for, and we, I mean, we had him on here talking about them. Yeah. we. I've talked to him about him, watched him for years shoot them, and he just bought the, he ended up buying that Super Black Eagle. Yeah. And uh, I want one so bad. I don't know. I couldn't. I don't know that I, I, I would say I, even if I had the money like right now, I don't know that I could get myself to go to 28. I would want to step down and do 20 get comfortable, and then step down again to get to the 28. I don't think I'd want to make the full jump. I can promise you. I, my aspect of it is I couldn't get myself to buy a Super Black Eagle. I want one, but I don't think I could spend $1,800 on one. You could do it. I could, but I would be like, I, I, wouldn't, I, would, I wouldn't want to take it out. See, my thing is, is like, I, I'd talk you into it. I mean, you probably could, yeah. Yeah. That's the scary part, because I want one bad enough. But I can promise you, if Winchester ever made one, done. Not done. End of statement. I would buy one. I'd be, like, first in line if they made a semi-automatic 28-gauge. Nope. I would Mm -mm. want it so bad. I love my SX-4. I don't just... If I didn't, I mean, I'd say my favorite gun, Super Black Eagle 2... Not three, yeah. two, and then the Winchesters. Yeah, in my opinion, minus the pumps. Winchester now, pumps are just yeah, they grow. They're trash. Now, granted, I understand the A five thing. I don't like them, but I get it. They're cool looking. I think that people really love those. I mean, Berettas. I've shot Berettas. I've shot things with Berettas. They're nice. I would. I would say. They would probably be my if I had to, I do Super Black Eagle two, the SX, and then I'd probably say Berettas after that. The only problem I have about the Berettas is they they get junked up a lot. Yeah, as I was say you had to keep them clean. So that'd be my my main issue with them. But since we managed to go down a bunny trail today, I figured we get back on topic unless you had something else. No, I oh, okay. So today we're going to be talking about some 
Uh, I would say local slash state politics. Now, not in what you think. Yeah. Not what do you think? We're going to be talking about, uh, so the state of Nebraska, the game parks, put out an elk deprivation tag now. Deprivation means they're just trying to get rid of them and kill them off. So what they did with this tag was it was a singular section, like section of area that they picked out. It's basically from the Platte River south from Sutherland to uh, Lake McConaughey, Oglala area. Mm-hmm. So basically the, it runs the Platte River and then it goes south. <clears throat> now, they picked this in July to do it in July. I don't know which week. I think it's like the second or third week. It's the, week. En- it's the entire month. The entire month of yeah, July. The so the entire month, month of July. They're giving out these deprivation tags. One, I think, ho- or I think uh, farm owners or landowners can get them for like 20 bucks. They can get unlimited. Here, I can pull it up. Uh, residents, I think, are like 40 bucks. I think non-residents are like 60 or 80 and everybody can get unlimited tags. Now, to describe it to you, this is all, majority of it, actually all of it that I know of is private land. It's all private land yeah, owners. It's private land only. So, you're basically got the Platte River, and then south, and it goes to the interstate, and then goes south. So, what you have is pretty shallow, for the most part out there, shallow river. Really dense. You got a lot of dense hardwoods along the Platte River. And then you've got fields along the Platte Rivers. And then south is all, I, w- I wouldn't call it sand hills, so but it's definitely drier here, here's your, farmland. Here's your prices. Fees for the permits, which are unlimited in quantity, are $20 for general residents, $40 for general non-residents, $5 for resident landowners, and $10 for non-resident landowners. I have a lot to say about that, but we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was more than that. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say, I, I knew the general public, it was just $20 for residents. So, let's let's get to the problem here. You got The first thing you're going to ask yourself is, why would the state of Nebraska do this? Okay. So, one, like I said, we got farmland south of... Uh, it's got farmland south of the interstate. Some of that, like along the interstate, it's got a, a slough that runs through their warm water slough. So there there tends to be some that hang out there. But for the most part, we've got elk that have now moved in the area, have populated. The problem is out west Nebraska this, this summertime is they've been pretty, actually it started last year, they've gotten a little bit of rain. But for the most part, they're they're pretty dry out there. We had a, last year was super dry and... The rain that Nebraska's gotten this year it has not been able to keep up as well out west as it has on the east side of yeah. the state. And so it's just, it's blowover from last year being so dry. And so the, the elk are congregating at this point. Yeah. I mean, they're just, they're, they're searching for water. And ultimately the big fear is crop destruction. So you've got a lot of, <clears throat> let's kind of describe the landowners out there. You've got a lot of large landowners out there that, one, have been a f- part of family farms that have kind of grown. There are singular in the farm the farmlands, like, but for the most part, it's pretty natural to what Nebraska looks like. Everybody owns, say, 12 to 2,500 acres. Um, it's all kind of split up into family land. 
<clears throat> and there tends to be a few big ranchers or big farmers out there, defense, and it's hit or miss. But for the most part, it's pretty natural for Nebraska. Along the Platte River, the hard part is, is that speaking as a waterfowl perspective, I don't want you to go hunt that area because I want to hunt the area. <laughs> yeah. But, like, this is, that area, I don't, I don't know that it gets much better in terms of waterfowling in that area. Like the amount of migration that goes through that corridor through there. Now the last couple of years, the flyway has shifted more West, but like pre, I would say three to five years ago, you could not get a better chunk of land than the plant, the Platte river in that area mm-hmm. where I grew up hunting on the Platte river was just West of Sutherland towards Hershey. Yeah. I know a landowner that owns some in Paxton. I know that 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 piece of land or that Platte River through there has definitely struggled the last few years with ducks because of the migration shift. I think we all have to kind of deal with that to a point. But Mm -hmm. you cannot get more pristine land through there. Now, an issue that we've experienced in the last 10 to 15 years is a lot of well-off individuals, ranchers, Lawyers, doctors, especially lawyers and doctors from Colorado have come in that are sportsmen that'll come in and come buy land. That's happened a lot. It's become a serious issue. And now the locals get mad, but at the same time, it's people's money. They can do whatever they want with it. If I was a doctor and rich, I would do the exact same thing. Oh, 100%. So I, I get it from that perspective. It does suck to see like family land or old, you know, people who used to hunt it. It's gone. Yeah. The hard part with the I find with the doctors and lawyers and that kind of stuff, rich people tend to show up when the ducks show up and hunt for a little bit and then disappear, and then they just never do anything with that land, which it's their land. They could do whatever they want with it. But there, There's a spot in the basin that I've asked, and the guy would love to give me permission to hunt it, but he leases it to some doctor or lawyer from California every yep. year. Dude's out there like two times a year. Yep. He we, gets there when it, all the ducks are supposed to get in there. Well, and, and it, it's and one it's one of those pieces that I'll, I'll tell you later because we both hunted it several times. Yep. You actually probably know what piece I'm talking about, but it butts up to half of public, nice waterfowl lake, and then the other half of it is this private land. And then you can just watch the birds fly back and forth to that private all day. Yeah, I mean you'll you'll kill birds in the public side, plenty, but I've never seen anybody hunt out there. <laughs> and yeah, dude shows up like two times a year. But anyway, sorry. Yep, and like my grandpa was talking about, like there was a banker that was gonna buy some land out there, and he asked him about you know day leasing it or going out there once in a while with me, and it got sold off to a rich doctor in Colorado and that's been pretty natural out there so talk about this I want to talk a little bit so we've got an issue of crop destruction uh less rain so we got congregated herds we've got the issue of growing populations of elk so we need to find a solution their solution at this point is let's have the month of July let's try to shoot as many as we can I think that's crap. I'm going to be honest with you. 
I'm I I'm sorry. This the whole thing does not make any sense to me. So let's talk about the problems here. And I'm gonna let Jeremy start with the problems, and then I'm I feel like I talked to him. Go ahead, because <laughs> oh, we talked about this a lot. The elk problems or what the issue with the whole season? Well, is. I guess if you have anything else that any more of the problem that I haven't discussed, and then let's talk about the issues that people are gonna face. I mean, to my knowledge, it's purely just crop destruction worries and property. Yeah. I mean, elk are very destructive animals. I mean, the rancher that I go up to in the northwest corner of the state every year when my group pulls a tag, part of the reason he wants us to kill him is because they ruin ruin his fences. I mean, he's fixing fences like once a month. So much. They they're kind of animals that just don't care and just kind of run stuff over. Well, like, uh, and I discussed this with somebody on Facebook, and, like, I hunted elk hunting with my dad mm-hmm. uh, back in se- September, yeah, September, and so we went, and there was two spots that, I like, I remember clear as day. I was walking along this field, and most of the edge of the field had been knocked down by, I mean, they have a lot of deer, too, but yeah. deer and elk, so I walk around the edges, and, like, every so often, I just see, like, there's just holes in fences. Mm-hmm. Not something that's been like run down or anything. I was like something like ran through it. Yeah. Gets to the edge of the field and I kind of peek through and there's a whole bedding area. At least two acres worth of bedding area where you could just see that they bed down at. Mm-hmm. That's two acres of corn is just gone. Yeah. So that was one experience. Second experience, very similar. This, they had like almost a two acre place where they had bedded down. Well, the problem was that they travel. So you could see this streak of line where there's just like probably five, six rows wide, just ro- mowed down through bedding area to another area to another area. You could just see them just make a path. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sure that they go to somewhere with water and bed down to another field too. So the amount of crop destruction is ridiculous. And I've personally seen there was. We got to duck duck hunting one time. It scared one, and he just put his antlers down, just row like mowed three acres or three three or four rows, just put his antlers down, just <laughs> like okay, I guess he's harvesting. Yeah, right. <laughs> so like the destruction, yeah, that adds up. It's real, and I won't deny that. I mean. I mean, this is one of those things you gotta say. Well, it is what it is. Now, let's talk about the issues that these hunters are gonna face, like during this time frame. Okay, so first of all, I have to say, you talked about saying it was crap. My initial, my initial, <laughs> my right. initial response, actually, as soon as I saw it, I literally texted Hunter. And I was like, you know, anybody in the area? Because he used to live there. Not too far from the area, at least, and your dad's out there. So I ask because, you know, I've never shot an elk. I've tried a few times. I've been applying in the state of Nebraska for years and years and years. Fingers crossed we figure out on Friday if we get that tag. So here we go. <laughs> Let's hope and pray that I get an elk tag this year. I didn't apply. <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah, you didn't. I forgot. <laughs> you did forget. My dad's going to give you crap about yeah, that. Oh, 100%. I'm going to give you crap about it. Um, so I was like jumping at it at first. Now I will say 
I would love to do it if given the opportunity because I know I would do it smart. And that's why we're leading into this. Big things that hunters are going to deal with right here, right now. And so that one of the tags that my group applies for is an early is the early season um, antlerless tag. There's a lot of guys in the group that pull try to pull the early cow tag, um, and that season starts August fifteenth, the year that Terrell shot his elk. Um, the day he shot it, it was ninety four degrees, and um, so you shoot an elk and you basically shot a small cow. I mean, literally, I mean, they are massive animals. And so, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And so it is a ticking time bomb as to how long you have until that animal goes bad. Um, Because they're so massive that if you don't get them on ice quickly, literally the ball joints of elk Holds so much heat that if they're not cooled down properly and soon enough, they just start rotting internally. Um, so that's one of my biggest worries and something that people are going to face with this whole season is the fact that July is historically our hottest month of the year. I mean, it's not uncommon in the state of Nebraska for every single day in July to be above 100 degrees. It has happened before. It'll happen again. Right now, actually, the first week of July is looking kind of mild for July, which is good because I'm sure most of the people that will do this will probably do it in the first week. Um, so essentially what I'm saying is if you're doing it, you better be prepared. Uh, you better be prepared with lots of ice and lots of hands to help you do this. You also better be prepared for the fact there's going to be landowners that are not going to want you to drive on their property. And I'm going to tell you that a lot of these elk are going to be in the middle of fields. Well, it goes to say, <clears throat> the old saying is knee high by July. Yeah. And usually that area, corn does tend to grow slower than it is down here just because they've gotten less moisture. Not every, not every year, but this I would say this year it's definitely yeah. slower growing out there. But like... Yeah, there's, you, you will not find a farmer that's going to want you in your field. In no, their field. it's not like you're going to be able to drive up to the animal. So you're basically just going to have to shoot it and get prepared like, and go for it. I would, I would say you're going to need at least three guys, and your goal is to have that thing on ice within less than four hours. And because of the heat, as much as it would suck i probably would immediately field dress the thing usually if you're quartering an animal you wouldn't field dress it yeah and let you know unless you plan on hanging it like I, you guys did with your did you guys hang your dad's elk oh you weren't that's it i'm there. thinking of the deer yeah sorry his deer i just remember the I picture mean, from the I, garage like gonna be honest with you if i was gonna do this and i was gonna do it right yeah i try to have a bone by the first night by the time we got done like i wouldn't let it hang i would bone it so I don't know what the state of Nebraska is going to do with this whole situation. I would be curious to ask a, a, a game warden or somebody who knows more about it. But in the state of Nebraska, you're not allowed to debone until you have checked in your animal. Well, that's and that is part of also what scares me about this whole situation because, so yeah, you quarter it, and with the heat, I completely agree. I would want to get first of all weight, get rid of so much weight, 
But second of all, I would want to quarter it and debone immediately to get all that heat. It's more. Uh, so let's say, okay, we downed an elk. It's in the middle of a cornfield. What would you do? Go. Uh, I first, I mean, literally down down an elk cornfield. I have a knife on me, and this depends on the heat of the day. You know, did I shoot it first thing in the morning? Did I shoot it in the evening? If you shoot it in the evening and it's dark, yeah, you're gonna need lights. I would say you have an extra couple minutes, but not much because it is cooling. It's coming down. But if you shoot it in the morning, who you better you better start rushing. I mean, I if it's a if it's a massive elk and I know it's gonna take us a long time. I at least am opening the cavity to allow that kind of heat out and maybe try. I wouldn't, I wouldn't perform your perfect field dressing, but I would try and get a good portion of that out to get rid of some heat, get some cool air and potentially have people with bags of ice to throw right in there. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm field dressing halfway, sending people to the truck with two or three coolers that have ice in them already ready to go throwing bags of ice into the cavity, start, start quartering as, and like, depending on what your farmer, whoever you get permission from allows you to do, if you're able to go drive up to it, perfect. Cause you can just throw quarters straight to it, but I'm guessing this is not happening. So yeah. you probably wouldn't even be able to get a side by side or a four wheeler. So I just have a person or two that's ready to as soon as a quarter is off, they're hauling it to the to truck to put it in a cooler. Yep. Because you, one, the heat, you don't want it to sit there. And two, flies. This time of year, I mean, even in August when Trail shot his, by the time we walked up to it, it had flies all over it. Yep. And, I mean, we had a little more time to deal with it. And it wasn't as humid as July is going to be. Um, so flies are a big thing and they're going to start laying eggs and doing whatever they can do to it. And you don't want that. So Absolutely. I would potentially that I even would, even though it would almost be pointless unless you got in a situation where you had to walk a mile or two back to the truck, I probably would have, uh, game bags yeah. just to keep the flies off of it while you walk back to the truck. Yeah. Um, and then as soon as I get to the truck, pull it out of the game bag, get it on ice. And now the one one thing I was thinking about with the rules of the state of Nebraska and the deboning, a lot of people worry about their cuts, but I probably would do this, especially on the back hams. If you process a back ham properly, if you follow the fascia, just the silver skin, you can basically unroll the back ham, keep it completely connected, but allow you, yourself to get all the way down to the bone and just really open it up, get ice in there, cool it down. Shay's being loud. Shay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would be moving super fast. I, I mean, just all out, just go, go, go. It would, it would honestly be crazy. Like almost drill sergeant-esque is how I would be. Yeah, because I basically be like, we got an elk on the ground, get ice, get more knives. I'm gonna start doing this and this, and you just anything you can do to get heat out of it immediately, especially if you were to shoot it in the morning. And I wouldn't dare think about shooting one midday. 
I wouldn't do it. If it was close to where somebody like get it, to the truck quickly, yeah. But if it's out like, say, if I'm looking in and you're you got a, like a half section and it's mm-hmm. along the the line of the river, yeah, you know, in the trees, ah, not unless I there was an access point along the edge of a field. Yeah, no, I. It's it would definitely like I would say shot placement in terms of like where the elk is compared to your pickup and being able to get to the pickup is going to be like very high priority or it should be you you touched on something else shot placement that's another thing that scares me with this whole time taking time bomb aspect of opening up the guts (laughs) well yeah but my worry is is elk are super tough animals like it's not uncommon to have to shoot an elk more than once yeah and if you get a bad place shot and you have to chase that animal your your clock is just constantly moving until you find that animal and i mean after you find it it's moving really until you get it in the freezer this time of year yeah and that's just less time you have because if you put a poor shot and especially with the corn if they make it to that corn and you had to trail them for a long time i mean you're gonna want to let you're gonna want to give them a little bit of time as much as you're willing to be comfortable with yeah so that they can you know expire because last thing you want is to chase an elk three sections across a few a field of corn. I mean, just yep. getting further and further away from the track, and uh, so you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna make sure your shot's good. I so but going back to the boning thing, yeah, I would quarter it, and then that night after I checked it in, I would bone it. But oh. either way, I would venture to guess that if if I if I did this, which I'm so busy in July, and I haven't found anyone, and I'm not willing to call people to try and figure it out. But um, if I was to do it, the day that I shot one, I would probably expect that I would be up most that night getting it sectioned down after I get it checked in because, I mean, this time of year as well, ice goes so fast, and I wouldn't want to see anything go to waste. Yeah. So... I would be in the middle of boning, pull up the grill, and just, oh, all right, boys. Oh, for sure. Sizzle, sizzle. Might yeah. as well eat it and then keep going. 100%. So, yeah, that that part of it. So, obviously, I think it heat's a main factor, this whole thing. So, let's talk about the second one. Talking about where the elk are going to be. That's, that's what concerns me a lot because we're talking about being able to get to them. I mean, they're going to be... So morning, they're going to be in a bedding area. I would say either timber, like some sort of tall grass, or they're going to be down towards the river. They're going to want to travel to a water source. Like first thing in the morning, that's what they're going to want to go to a water source. Then they're going to go back to a bedding area. They may go feed in the evening, and then they're going to hit the water source or go down to bed. But... Mm. Now, trying to find a water source in this area is going to be very tough. You're going to have the river. Okay, river. Mm-hmm. You're going to have cattle tanks. Mm-hmm. Or if you manage to find a low spot or an irrigation pond, mm-hmm. those are going to be the sauce. The hard part is <laughs> where those placements are. Now, if you can get back into the plat and get access, okay. You know, can get maybe a truck back there. Yeah. But... 
those are going to be far and few in between. We'll get to the the you know trying to get trying to get permission. We'll step into that. Yeah. The irrigation ponds, a lot of them either going to be in the middle of the section or the edges section, depending on where they're at. And then most of your like drip water sources are going to be in the middle. So honestly, your access to get to these elk are not going to be easy. Mm-mm. And that's another main factor of like trying to get to it quickly because it's like most of that river access, if you get a walk back there, that's a mile at least. Oh, yeah. Anybody who's been around that area, I mean, you can run into an area where you got legitimate, like, mile sections, like, that you can drive all the way around. And then you find these pockets where you got to do, like, a 20-mile loop to get around it. Yep. And, like, because it's just somebody who owns an enormous amount of land. Yep. And they just have it all didn't. Didn't want to put any easements through it because the state, Nebraska, they, you know, they're required to have permission and usually there's monetary, uh, a monetary deal put together for easements in this state. And if a rancher doesn't want that, which they have the right to say no to, there's a lot of, a lot of large areas in this state where you just, unless you have permission to be on it, you, you can't get through it. Yeah. You can't get close to it. And, so so let's that's the other thing i want to talk about elk i don't know how many people listen to this podcast of elk hunting but i you know a lot of people with sister waterfowlers and some over nebraska mixed all over but like being someone that has his deer hunted and duck hunted goose hunted and then went to elk you would have no expectations that such a big animal was so hard to find. Oh, dude, it's insane. They are, they are ghosts. They are, I mean, absolute ghosts. Like, I wouldn't have ever expected it. I really wouldn't have. And, like, I've hunted deer for a long time, and I'm going to be honest, deer are not that hard to find if you know what you're doing. I think the big thing, like, difference-wise, deer are so much easier to pattern. Elk kind of just do whatever the hell they want to do. Yeah. Like, seriously, they could be in a different county by tomorrow if they wanted to. And, like, I would say elk have the same or better, like, ears than deer do. But, man, those noses. Their noses are incredible. Like, there was one probably 600 yards from us. Uh, sit five, 600 yards. Got to about 80 to 100. And you just see his nose like going and you yep. could tell exactly the moment he smelled us yeah i mean i was we were both laying on the ground mm-hmm. but and it was a foggy morning no wind nothing so there's no way like something would have blown towards him i just take that and like and it just so trying to find these elk when our vegetation probably in Ju- i would say july is at its peak level mm-hmm. and terms of the amount of greenery along the rivers i'm i'm just saying good luck like <laughs> good luck right yeah, now I, now I, mean, I talked to it might have been matt i've been talking to matt about this quite a bit from high prairie and i think he was saying they've done it in the past and they've only like the last time they did it they only shot like three elk the whole season yeah because they've done like smaller ones or they will hand out a certain amount of tags to certain landowners sometimes Yep, but so that's a testament to how hard these things are are to find. 
Well, like landowners, you would think like most most of those landowners are around all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, they they know their land, they know what goes through their land. Like they pay attention to that kind of stuff. Well, and the, the other hard thing about this area in particular, so you and me, when it comes to elk in Nebraska, we've hunted two totally different areas. So yeah. where you hunted with your dad, the elk have a tendency to be in like mini herds of like six to 15. Yep. Whereas up in the Northwest part of the state where I have connections with a rancher from my group, we hunt an actual herd of elk. Like the first year there was 83 last year, there was 104 in one herd. So like little difference here just in how you find them. Yeah. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Oh, I agree. I mean, it's a difference between getting a whole massive herd yeah. and then just having a few ghosts just, like, disappear. Because that's the other thing, too, is you can mix them up with deer just as well. Like, the way they run and the way they sound, like, when they're running. Yeah. It sounds like deer getting out of the way. You wouldn't know unless you could visually see them. Yeah. So, like, trying to get, get to these elk, it's going to be rough. Now... Let's talk about the access. So private permission, all of this, like 99 or 100% of it, it's all private permission. Um, I will say, you know, one of the one of the farms that we hunted and, like, got into was, like, that area. So, like, I do know, you know, a farmer that has wanted elk off his land um, out in that area. I'm never, I'm not going to tell anybody. Yeah. Like, no. I doubt he would even give us access. He gave, like, four or five people access last year to go shoot one. That was before yeah. my dad and, like, yeah, the rest of the season. So, I'm sure he, he – that guy called us and was like, get rid of him. I hate these things. Yeah. So, like, I'm sure we weren't the last one. Yeah. So, good dude. Uh, really appreciated us uh, hunting. If you guys haven't checked out on my Instagram, there's actually a video of like a massive elk like walking out in the fog that was on that property. So cool, really cool experience to be able to deal with, like be able to do that and deal with that with my dad. So I <clears throat> I've grew up in this area, so I know it pretty well. And then that's the thing is with elk, I've you know I've seen stuff. How do I say it? Like you, there's just so many experience that I had that I wouldn't expect elk to be there. Mm-hmm. Like it's just out in the middle of the cornfield. I would have never guessed when we were driving around scouting when my dad was hunting. There's I, I thought my dad was joking. I was like, yeah. I do not see the elk being here, but sure shit. Like there was a herd of elk out there. <laughs> like we got one to come to us like two or three days in a row, and like just yeah. couldn't get a good shot on it. But like so. Getting access to this area, I think, is probably if I, I, there's just so many fences to clear, so many things to clear in order to be successful in this hunt. But like, I would say permission is going to be one of your highest bars to clear on this one. Oh, 100%. Because the farmers out there, like, they're right in the middle of their farming season. Mm hmm. They have all of their stuff. So they got everything planted. They got it sprayed. At this point, they're, you know, letting it grow. But they want their they don't want their crops dest- destroyed by the elk. But they also don't want their crops destroyed by human beings. Yeah. Because <laughs> either way, it's destruction. Yeah. Now, I think that people are, tend to be a little bit more, 
motivated to let people hunt just because of the season. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think realistically, I think because of how easy it is to get a tag and how much some people just like our, our love for waterfowl and your love for Turkey that also flows into other types of hunting, and I think elk is definitely one of those that like people go nuts over. Well, and then on top of that, and I had this conversation with one guy on a post that I put on on uh, Instagram about this. There's, let's see, last year there was just shy of 4,000 people that applied for elk tags in the state of Nebraska, I believe. Yep. It might be more than that. I don't remember. I'd have to look. But... There's people lining up to shoot elk in this state. And that's just the residents. Yep. And there's lots of people, non-resident-wise, that hear what's in this state because we don't allow non-residents to hunt this state for elk. Yep. It's one of the few things that the residents get to take a long time to try and get the tag for, but <laughs> get to enjoy. Yep. Um. And so now you've got all these people that have been like, well, I've been trying for years and years and years to shoot an elk in this state. And then you've got non-residents that are like, oh, man, I've heard such great things about that state. And I want to go try and shoot one. Well, let's just talk about the the hunter that tends to be obsessed about hunting like us. Guess what? Right. July tends to be a month. Well, it is a month that there's nothing going on. Uh You know, you finish up. Say even if you are just nuts about hunting, you could finish up in like March, maybe April in Canada to snow goose hunt. But then you don't have anything going until August with, um, with, geez, elk hunting mm-hmm. with August yeah. and then September into dove and then teal season. So this just creates an opportunity for someone in the summer that maybe they just don't have anything going on. Yeah. You know, a single guy that wants to run out and try to shoot an elk, like, this provides a nationwide opportunity to yeah. anybody who wants to fly in and try to get into one area, tiny area. Like, you're well, just going to have so much craziness show up in one small area. And you realize the thing that you called the other day that would happen uh, just created more traction for it. <laughs> Meat eater. Yeah. I mean, literally, <laughs> we we were talking about it day, like the day it came out. We were on the phone, and he was like, Steve Rinella or somebody at Meat Eater is going to get a hold of this and they're going to talk about it. Well, sure enough, what was that, two, two or three days ago you sent me that article? Yeah. I mean, it's just big, you know, it, it's in some ways it's a big game, big game hunter's dream to be able to just go somewhere. I mean, even for somebody that's out of state, say I, somebody from Idaho comes in, they can come in and hunt for what, would you say, 40 bucks? Yeah. 40 bucks. That's it. You, you're, I mean, not even residents of the states that you shoot elk in anymore. That is that cheap. And then you can, worst case scenario, you know, for a guy like that that loves hunting, can at least check out the area, yeah. enjoy McConaughey, go for a little you trip. Can, yeah, you could stay at McConaughey and camp, do some fishing. There's great fishing in that area. So like, <laughs> why not? Yeah, <laughs> you know, an outdoorsman dream. So when you get a lot of demand for little supply, what happens? It's almost like gas prices. What a surprise. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Here we go. They go through the roof. <laughs> so, you know, as a hunt, as a as a landowner, let's let's walk through this. You got a lot of people calling your phone. Mm-hmm. So I have I talked to 
My dad talked to the landowner that one of the ones we hunt. Now, it's farther west. Don't ask me again. It's farther west in this area. And then I talked to another guy that uh, hunts out that direction, too. Guess what? Both landowners said that people were calling their phone when this article came out because they weren't paying attention to where the lines yeah. were and they're farther west anyway. But, okay, let's talk about that. If the farmers there that are farther west got calls, what do you ma- what do you expect that happened to the landowners that are in that area? Well, the- after, you know, a week and all the news got out. Yeah. They're getting bombarded. Oh, and, I mean, to even take that a step further, Terrell took the time to call the Game and Parks office to because part of the reason we know about where to hunt for the unit that we try and pull tags for is because we called the Game and Parks. They gave us numbers, yada, yada, people that wanted elk gone. So Terrell did that. Yep. And the person he talked to said, we're not even giving out numbers because of harassment. Yep. People are wor- which blows my mind, and I'll, I'll, I'll go into that here in a minute, but they're not even giving out numbers of farmers that want elk gone for harassment purposes. And he basically was like, so try and find numbers on Onyx and Google and stuff like that. And so people are just calling people at this point. Yep. Now, the point that bothers me about that, because I thought that was the right way to say that, but at the same time, there's aspects of what was said that bothers me. There's people that, like, the re- a big portion of the reason we're having this deprivation season is because the farmers are calling and complaining and are unhappy about crops being taken down i'm sure there's much more i'm sure that maybe even the state is a little worried about the income for the farmers and is trying to help out yep. but a large percentage of it is farmers calling wanting to get rid of the elk yep. and you know that's why it's happening when it is is because they're probably starting to really see the damages now and they want to you know i mean the article came out like a week ago and the season starts friday so just how quickly it's it's going down yep but that bothers me you call the game and parks tell them i want these elk gone the game and parks makes a season for the for people to come and get elk and that this is a testament to how hard it is to get proper property to hunt down in that area but you don't want people to call you and ask to hunt well, uh, let's be honest. Let's see what let's let's go down this road because this has been something that I talked to with a guy and I had a very good conversation with him about. You know, he kind of made the comment that politically, it's some rich ranchers that are, you know, they are using their political power in the state and their money to be able to get what they want. Okay, I get it. I get what you're saying. That's probably what. That's probably a good chance of what happened. Um, I get that. Yeah. Now, let's talk about that type of landowner. If you look and you find hit on X and you see a big corporation, I still try, but I'm going to be honest. If I see a big corporation, my in my head, my process is, oh, I'm probably going to get it now. Yeah. Like 99% chance. I usually don't. Because I, I look for a name. If I don't see a name, I just don't even bother If you get a family anymore. farm or you know a single name, those are the ones I've had a lot more success at. Now, those corporations, it usually ends up being an insurance liability, yeah. like blah da 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 or you know, maybe a, a uh, ranch manager or a farm manager hunts it, or yeah. you know, like 
I get it. I, I really do. But <clears throat> I still try. But I just know that's probably not going to happen. Whatever. Yeah. That's fine. The, the you know, rich, huge landowners, they're probably not going to allow anybody on because the way that you become rich like that is you see everything as an asset mm-hmm. and you try to leverage your asset for the most money. What are they going to do? Pay to play. Yep. That's what's going to happen. Uh-huh. And they're going to start, you're just going to see some figures like 1000 to 5000 for an elk to take. Yeah, a lot of ranchers charge that thousand to fifteen hundred just to get on the property. Now I know a ranch. I know a buddy that hunts. It'd be farther west, but what he does with this rancher is it's seven hundred fifty bucks. You get to he usually gives you like five places to donate to. I think that's awesome. Honestly, oh, that's awesome. Like it's either like the VA or the firemen, you know, volunteer fire department. There's like a few community places, like I wish, local. I wish more people did stuff like that. Like that's awesome. In that situation, <laughs> hell yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like no problem. No I, question. You know, if you think about seven hundred fifty bucks or a thousand bucks, are you gonna be able to hunt anywhere else in the U.S. for elk for that? No, I'm just gonna tell you right now. No, you're, by the time, <laughs> by the time, okay, let I mean. Let's take Colorado, for instance. Yeah. I did Colorado last year. I got a non-resident bull tag in Colorado, and it's just shy of $700. And then gas, food, however you want to camp or lodge, all the equipment, I'm over $1,000. I mean, yeah. I, I think I spent 1200 on that trip. I mean, so, I mean, if, especially for a resident situation like that, if you, if, yeah. if like, 100%, I would do that. I mean, even the guy that... Uh, the unit that I am pulling my bull tag in. I mean, he five hundred for trespassing, and then five hundred once I harvest the bull. And I mean, he's got big elk on his property, so like I'm not even afraid to spend that kind of money. Yeah. Not for I mean, once in a lifetime elk in the state of Nebraska for the regular season. My, I guess one of my fears about what's going on is there's going to be a landowner that says, "Here's a thousand dollars, come on my property." Say it's a thousand acres. You don't. You don't ever see an elk. That's yeah. No, I think exactly. That, I think that's going to happen a lot more than what people realize. And that, from that aspect, that does make me worried. But at the same time, like you kind of, if I mean, you're scouting on annex, you don't do your scouting and like see where the elk are. You're going to get toasted, and it's not anybody else's fault but yourself. Well, and I th- wish that the game and parks had maybe put a few rules to this whole situation if you will because i i mean first of all for this season in particular i would walk away from anyone that's like okay here here's how much you need to pay just to get on the property i'd walk away from it like this is a deprivation season you want the elk gone i'm gonna come shoot one if you want one gone but i'm not gonna pay for it yeah um and i wish the state had basically made that part of this whole situation because of course the whole argument that the state has with all these people that complain is let us make it public land and you won't have this issue anymore yeah because it's very true i mean i mean i love i love public land but very quickly it can get overrun when there's a desired species on it yeah so and elk in particular i mean you open land up for public elk hunting in this state <laughs> you aren't gonna have elk for very long yeah so i think going back to what we we're saying about the the type of landowner that complains there's a couple things i want to run through one what is that landowner gonna do either he's gonna want big bucks for what 
he's got elk on his land or two, he's going to take those unlimited $20 tags and tell every farm manager or worker, I will pay for your tag. You you see an elk, you shoot it. Yeah. That's Which, more than likely what's going to happen. Well, and even for the landowners, it's not even that much. It's $5 for a landowner. Yeah. I think that's what's going to happen. I my think, problem about that is there's going to be a lot of meat go. And it leads right into my biggest issue about this whole thing, and it's really my fear about it, is that I think we're going to see a lot of elk that just get shot. I think that there's going to be reports of stuff like that. Now, Nebraska has serious wanton waste laws, and like I hope that there would be actions taken, but this was so quickly organized and at the same time unorganized yeah. that it's kind of going to be a madhouse in my opinion. And I think there's going to be landowners that just buy a bunch of tags and shoot elk yep. for a population that's already like, you know, historically speaking, not where it's supposed to be. If you wanted to go back, you know, hundreds of years yep. and I just have, I, that's my concern. Yeah. I, this serious concern. Cause there's already, I mean, people have gotten in trouble for it in this state. I've heard stories of farmers and ranchers doing stuff like that outside of deprivation seasons or during a regular season. And, I mean, heck, what was it, seven, eight years ago now, the state gave a a big farmer rancher like in that, in that area. Five or 50 tags. I think they gave them 50 and they filled 30 of them. And they just laid. I mean, those were those were straight-up deprivation. They literally shot them and didn't do anything with them. Yeah. And I have such an issue with that. Um, and I, it, specifically because I'm already not a big fan of the state kind of bending over for the farmers and the ranchers. And because, like, we have an ever growing public um, presence in this state. And a lot of people, you know, don't have permission or don't have money for leases or can't get on the right kind of properties and you know want to take advantage of these opportunities but when you start getting a a growing herd that would allow the state to put out more tags and allow more people the opportunity to chase these goals um they just they just kind of give in and do a deprivation tag like this i guess and that's i guess that, that brings up a good point one, I think some of these landowners that are asking for this is really going to get, they're going to get issues that they're not going to want and they're going to be really mm-hmm. pissed off about. One, I hate to say it, but you give somebody an opportunity like this, you're going to have road hunters. There's going to be people that can't find. Absolutely. People I didn't that are, think about that. There's not going to be people that can find land. So they're going to be out scouting, running around. They find an elk. They don't care how far it is. They're just going to shoot. Yeah. This is that's an already an issue out in that direction for deer hunting. Mm-hmm. So There's going to be a whole lot worse. Oh yeah. For elk hunting. So what are they going to try to do? Shoot it and drag it to the road as fast as they can, and try to get it quartered. Like that's what's going to happen. But these landowners are going to number one get harassed, and two, they're going to have a lot of issues with road hunters. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be, I think that's going to be a main, like, unintended consequence from this whole thing. You, I mean, you're getting a lot of focus. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, you're going to get a lot of craziness. I think my thing is, going back to what you're saying, when things are organized, it, it, 
it tends to be a lot smoother. So, mm-hmm. like, my dad's opportunity to be able to get an elk, we ended up on, f- was it four or five different properties, all private landowners that we didn't have to pay for. Yeah. Because they all wanted deprivation tax. The state said, no, unless you allow hunters, you're not getting any deprivation tax unless you allow hunters on. So they allowed us on their land. And, you know, we went on their land and we hunted. Yeah. And it was controlled, you know, for the landowner's standpoint. I remember my dad communicating with all of them because they only allowed one hunter at a time. That way they knew we were safe. Mm-hmm. They knew who was in there at the time, there's what no days arguments. and what time. Like when there's when there's a mutual respect and a mutual communication, it works. But when you get this kind of scenario and it's just madness and chaos, that's when things go south. Not only for the hunter, but also the landowner. And so I think that there's going to be some serious, session, I mean, serious issues with trespassing and road hunting. So, I mean, I really hope that, I'm guessing the state's going to, I my guess is the state will probably have enforcement or a higher level in force, enforcement at that point. And, you know, I hope they do catch people, but we both know how that goes yeah, sometimes. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's not enough game wardens in this state to catch everyone. Yeah. I mean, and, yeah, I don't know. So that's probably that's probably the biggest thing for me. I think, I think the last thing I want to talk about, uh, talk about, you know, I think the fees should be a lot higher. But before we kind of get to the solution about what we think should actually happen rather than what's happening, I want to talk about one un- unintended consequence that I don't think a lot of people are realizing yet. But as the national attention grows, and I know we talked about it. The national, as the national attention grows, I think there's going to be some severe backlash. Mm-hmm. Severe backlash from the Nebraska public because there's a lot of Nebraska hunters that are just like Jeremy Shoes that have been applying for tags. You know, a cow tag in Nebraska, you can get one, I would say, every two, three years maybe. So uh, I think your success rate is probably like 30 or 40%. Yeah. Now, a bull tag, it's one and done. So for most right, for here. most sections. So uh, I'll, I'll so it could take <laughs> most people I've talked to other than my dad unfortunately. <laughs> um it usually can take 3 years or so to get a cow tag. You don't gain points, but generally the odds play in your favor that you'll pull one in 3 years. Yep. And then for a cow tag, you have to wait 5 years before you can start applying again. Once you've pulled one. And then when it comes to bull tag, I've heard some people that got it year four. Uh, I heard a story last season of a guy who's been going 22 years, um, hasn't pulled one time, um, and so, yeah, it's a once-in-a-lifetime tag. If you don't fill the tag, you can apply again in five years. Which, imagine that. You... I mean, imagine the guy who had 22 years on it, pulls it, is unsuccessful whether it's because he doesn't get on land or he wants to shoot a mega elk because Nebraska has mega elk. They really do. It's part of the reason, you know. The one one my dad and I saw was eight by nine. I mean, I saw one that 
easily would have gone 380 last year, which is crazy stupid. I mean, it's yep. huge. So, um, I mean, there's a reason people want the tags. But imagine going 22 years, not being successful, whether it's not seeing elk, not getting on property, or just not seeing the bull you want, yep. and then having to wait another five years to start applying. When usually, I mean, they say in their odds that you don't start to get serious odds until year five or six. Yep. I mean, it to me, that's just crazy. So, <clears throat> you can get Tom, Dick, or Larry from Montana that come comes down and can come shoot a bull for 40 bucks plus license Traveling fees. fees and, yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're not saying they're not going to have to invest money into it, but, like, it's definitely not the time and effort and investment that somebody else could have made in Nebraska that could have an opportunity. Yeah. I, to be honest with you, I don't think, I don't want to get that too far into it, but, like, I don't think they should have allowed non-residents for this season. So, I saw... Non-resident landowners I'm fine with, but non-residents. No. I saw something or... Re- Somebody commented something somewhere. Apparently, the reason non-residents, landowners, and general non-residents are allowed into it is because the way they wrote it, again, with the uh, you know quickness and almost unorganized aspect of this, apparently they wrote something wrong, and it had it gone too far, and so they basically had to make non-residents capable of doing it. I'd be fine with that as long as they're their payment up front would be real high. You know, 700 bucks. Why not? I mean, you uh, got to go to Colorado. Well, this is this is just for the deprivation. Well, that's what I mean. I, I can tell you that if the state of Nebraska allowed for the regular season to become a non-resident thing, I'd flip a lid. Well, I know that. I just meant for the deprivation yeah, thing. No, I still I, would charge buku money. I mean... Why not? Even 200, 250 bucks. I mean, at least make some decent money because you're like, for something like that, I'm sure there will be non residents that come. Yeah. Now, I, I will say we are talking about all this, and I could see this being a complete and total dud because of the backlash it's kind of already gotten. And I think there's a lot of your hardcore hunt elk hunters that are thinking one other thing that has bothered me about this whole situation um, is. This time of year, I mean, a lot of cows have calves. Yeah. And, I mean, I I think there's a lot, going into the whole political aspect of it as you were talking, I think there's a lot of people that are both residents and non-residents that are looking at that going, because it's an either-sex tag. But, you know, there are going to be ranchers that are going to be like, just shoot the cows, because they know they can make money off those bulls. Well, you're shooting a cow, but what if you shoot a cow that has calf? I mean, that calf, they're at this point two months old. The likelihood of that calf um, being adopted by a cow that doesn't have one is pretty slim at this point. I mean, and I would say almost, almost impossible. But so essentially you're shooting two elk. You might as well shoot the calf as well. Yeah. Because it's just, I mean, things are just going to end up starving yeah. to death or getting killed by Coyote, coyotes or mountain, mountain lions. lions. Uh, so, 
I don't know. I just... I'm not a huge fan of that. I'm really not. It, that, no, that bothers me. And the sad part is, and I agree, I, you know, talking to that, my buddy that hunts out that direction farther west, that's exactly what he said, you know? I think, you know, they said that if you really want to get rid of them, shoot the cows, and... Well, and then that's probably what's going to happen. That leads into what I think the state should have been doing, which I don't know why. It seems like they never add enough tags. I don't know why, especially since that area really so badly wants some of the elk removed, why they haven't just done a big jump in cow tags. It seems like every year they add like five. I don't know if there's something written, written into legislation that allows them to only raise it so many but it's very clear that the elk in this state that are here are thriving. Yep. And so their numbers, I mean, it doesn't seem like it because I think the state of Nebraska has, I want to say their estimated total is somewhere between like ten and 13,000 that we have in the state. Yep. It doesn't seem like a whole lot, especially when you think about the fact that our deer herd is a roaming herd of about 275 to 350,000. I mean, we, we have a pretty sizable deer herd, so 10 to 13,000 to, you know, the general public doesn't seem like a whole lot of elk. But in that area, they're, you know, obviously gaining quite a bit of traction. And if that, I would rather see the state actually make decent money because of the tag costs and then, the application fees and raise the amount of tags for that unit because there's not a single tag elk tag in the state of Nebraska that doesn't go sold. Yeah. There never is. I mean, last year when the extra tags came out, there was four tags left for the entire state and they were gone in 15 minutes. Yeah. I mean, they didn't, they didn't even, I didn't even get on in time to try and get one and they, they were in units I wouldn't have wanted to hunt. Yep. But they disappear very, very fast. So I don't know why the state, if they want to get rid of elk in that area, do it during regular season, get more tags. First of all, I mean, this, the game in parks is going to make more money doing that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, talk about the financial aspect. I mean, they're throwing away potentially, you know, the potential of thousands and thousands of dollars from application fees and... I mean, so, I mean, as a resident, $20 versus the 200 it would be if I was to pull the tag. Yeah. So. The whole thing doesn't make sense. I, but <laughs> at the same time. I get, I get why they want to do it. Yeah. But I just think there's other reasonable measures that can be done. And the other reason I really don't want them... I don't know if I told you this part of it, but apparently if this whole deprivation season goes really, really well, they want to do it for antelope next year. And I don't I don't get that one. No, I don't either. Like I mean, antelope tend to be in arid places and I mean they're not really destroying anything. I'm no, sure they I, get into cropland, but But they're I mean, they're they eat their impact is less than a deer. Yeah. And their numbers are way lower than the deer population in this state. And so I don't... I don't get that. Again, I just... They do... I mean, there's a reason that our deer tags are just 
constantly fluctuating year year to year. Yeah. So if there's areas that people truly feel like there's too many of elk, antelope, whatever, just produce more tags because there's people lining up to shoot them in this state. Yep. My dad's been applying for as many years as I have just for a cow tag. He hasn't pulled yet. I've been going five, six years for an elk tag. Uh, Westside Jared, I think, told me he's on year seven or eight this year. Gotcha. I know Matt applies every single year, I believe, and he's hasn't gotten it. I know plenty of people that haven't gotten it. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, why? Yeah, no, I, I, it's, it's so funny. Like the progression in my mind since it got released, like instantly I was like, oh yeah, that could be really, really cool. It gives me an opportunity, you know, if I found somebody that would allow me to come shoot elk, but Though I understand the reasons that they are doing it, I just become less and less interested in allowing it to happen or wanting it to happen. But And it is the outdoorsmen of Nebraska are arguing about this. It's pretty rough. Ike. It was funny the other night when you called me because literally as we were talking, I was arguing about it in our, like, my deer hunting group. I mean, we weren't, like, at each other's throats about it, but we were, like, kind of giving our opinions. And Facebook's been wild from what I've heard. I mean... It's bad. It's been crazy. Like, bad, bad. (laughs) Like, there's a lot of people that are mad about the, like, price for tags. There's been people that are mad because of non-residents being able to get, you know. Uh, there's some people that are really mad that, you know, these landowners are complaining, but then they won't allow access. Mm-hmm. But then on the other side, like, you know, they got people, they're like, well, it's their land. They can do what they want with it. And then there's, you know, people that are mad because, you know, the the trespassing fees that are going to happen. It's like, yeah. well, it's still their land. And so, like... I don't know. They just they're finding everything a little bit of everything to complain about and to some extent I get both sides. I really do. Well, I I've, I've sat here for the last hour and 15 minutes playing both sides. I understand it. Yeah. I would love to go do it, but I wouldn't, you know, want to deal with some of the things and yeah. Let's so let's finish up by finding a solution because obviously we talked about a lot of issues that we're dealing with. Let's talk about a solution because one I I do want what I've seen. I've I've seen the destruction of the the land by by the elk. I I've yeah, dealt with same. that firsthand, so I understand that side of it. I understand the financial aspect with farmers, and especially in a time frame that, especially to like small landowners, like their budget is super tight, mm-hmm. especially with especially with fuel pricing up and anhydrous being as high as it is, like, I get the pinch. So, from that side. So, dealing with a solution of making everybody happy, the outdoor, you know, the the landowner and the outdoorsman, you know, I understand the game parks is in a hard spot. Let's talk about a solution. So, one, I really don't like July. I think that's crap. I think it should be in a different time frame where, you know, you get the best out of the meat. I think I, I think the month I told you was February. 
Yeah. I I mean, already the regular elk season is super duper long. But if you wanted to do a deprivation, I, that's my big thing. I'd like to see that meat go to use. Also, then on top of that, you don't have calves that could go orphaned yeah. or not. Um, and because I'm pretty sure that the late season cow tag goes till the end of January, if I remember right. Yeah. But so, or, but you get into March and it gets, that feels really late at that point. Well, you'd have, pra- you'd be about the time where you start having either they're, they're having calves or like getting pregnant. Yeah. Cause they'd be having babies the next couple of months. So February, <clears throat> my thing is, is that I think a time frame would be better. Because you're, you're trying to find a spot where you have, you're going to have the best opportunity to try to take out as many as you can. Yeah. The problem is in July, you shoot once. I'm going to tell you, going down the plat, you shoot once, you ain't going to see him again. No. I mean, the other part of that is, if someone else shoots, you ain't going to see it for a while. And the problem is, elk are ridiculously smart. Oh, yeah. So, if you get somebody up river sh- shoots... They're going to figure out whose lane that they can hang out on mm-hmm. and not get shot at. I'm yep. telling you right now. 100%. So I think they're going to have a huge issue with that. I think in a late, when you think of February, like late January, February, everything is dead. So you can actually see all the crops are out. And the other part of it is because, you know, if we ever get winter, it's really cold. <laughs> and so finding food and water is hard for them. It's so where they can find it. That's where they're all kind of come back to that. Therefore, well, yeah. you can actually get to them. So that, them. that time of year, they're also in their you know wintering herds. So yeah. it's going to be, especially in that area, it's going to be more common to see those groups of 50 to 100 elk. Yeah. So. so with that being said, I think you would have better opportunity in trying to take out a large quantity of them at a time. Now, I just... The other thing, going back to the meat thing, they would have a lot more time to be able to deal with them. And I think that if they had more time to deal with them, I think some of these farm managers can shoot them. And, you know, that maybe that meat can get to a community or like somebody else or families. Like, that's my biggest concern about all this. I don't even care about the elk being killed. I wish, obviously, I'm concerned about the calf thing. Yeah. But where and how is that meat going to be dealt with? That's that's one of my biggest concerns. Yeah. Like, if it's going to a positive spot, cool, great. But, man, you get a farm manager out driving around, shoots an elk, can't get anybody there for an hour, he doesn't have any ice, <laughs> yep. it, it's going to end badly. I'll just mm-hmm. tell you right now. Unless he has the right equipment and somebody doesn't. It, that's what I'm saying. Like, somebody that is a respectful, genuine, somebody that loves loves the creature that he's hunting, and it's prepared, that's the guy I want hunting him. Exactly. Not just Tom, Dick, and Larry that's going to run around and jack around or a farm manager or, like, someone that doesn't know what they're doing or isn't, you know, like we said, have eyes to deal with the problem. Yeah, oh, I agree. So that that's what concerns me. I think in the, the wintertime, I think that, you know, you kind of take that segment away from things, mm-hmm. and I think it's more of a positive scenario. So I... Last but not least, they really need to come with more tags. Yeah. Somehow, whether it's getting more tags that the general public can, you know, apply for and pull, 
or something else that I've thought about, which already in this situation, I'm not really big on, you know, potentially the landowners being able to access some monetary value from the elk in serious, with some serious potential. But first, sorry, when it comes to landowners, landowners can reapply every three years. I probably, with a lot of these landowners complaining, I probably would move that to one at this point in that area in particular. Because don't get me wrong, there are complaints in other areas, but this is the one where it's like bad. It's bad and there's enough there's enough money or enough complaining being thrown around that stuff's happening about it. And in that area as well, and this is specifically for this area, I would not do this for the whole state, but I would be okay with the game and parks selling tags to the landowners. Like, let's say, you know, depending on how many elk are on that property, um, let's say five tags a year. They, there's other states that do this, like Wyoming, I believe, is one. New Mexico, I know, does it. Um, I want to say there's another one, but I'm not sure. Where they take those tags and they can sell them to either non-residents or residents. And they can come in and shoot elk. Yep. It allows. It basically gives the landowners deprivation tags that they can control whether... Or they can use them themselves. Yeah. And this is specifically for these kind of people that are complaining. Because then, I mean, if if they really feel that their crops are being impacted to a way that, you know, is... Which, there is impact. I'm not denying that. Yeah. Um, they can gain some money. Because I would be willing to bet that in that area in particular, if you sold tags to non-residents as a, a as a rancher or as a farmer trying to recoup some of that money five t- five tags two thousand dollars each there's ten grand oh my gosh no i, I mean bet, that's low side that's low low side i bet i bet if you had if you had the proof of what was on your property bull wise in particular you're gonna get non-residents because this state has that 400 inch potential life you know once in a lifetime kind of bulls you're gonna get people that spend ten thousand dollars tag i bet which you know i would hate to see a lot of that money going to the farmers because it it is a product of the state and you know the state owns the wildlife by all technicalities yeah like ranchers and farmers don't own the wildlife they just inhabit their properties but at the same time, if that got those ranchers and those farmers to cool down a little bit, I could support that. It's not what I'd love to see the state do, but obviously I'd love to see the state go towards giving ta- more tags to the general public. Because like I said, they're going to get filled. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people. I mean, there's there's people in this state that are willing to spend a couple thousand dollars to go on an elk hunt. Yeah. And it might just be for a cow. So people want to do it. So give more tags. Yeah, I agree. I'm trying to think what else. I don't think I have anything that I could think of. You got anything else? Um, 
Last, oh, I'm thinking about it. Jump onto the Bigger and Hunters podcast, fans forums on Facebook. Um, we want to hear you guys' opinions about this. So once you finish up, listen to the podcast, jump on there, follow, and then give your opinion because I'm curious. Obviously, everybody feels pretty strongly about this. I think that's why there's so much backlash and so much dissension between the community because everybody sees things differently. But, I mean, everybody's opinion to to an extent is valid. But Absolutely. I mean... Everybody, I think everybody's opinion is valid in it in this situation. Like from the, the thing farmers is. and ranchers to the general public to the game and parks to the state. I mean, yeah, there's reasons everybody has opinions about this, and it is one of those situations where you just are not going to be able to please everyone. Yeah, um, it's not a black and white issue. There's just no, so much gray not. area in this one, and just I mean, same same goes for me. I've got several people already that send, tend to comment on our podcast i'd love to hear people's opinions about this feel free that's the thing is like i understand it's hard part is like i understand where everybody's coming from exactly you know i understand that landowners are in a bad spot they're losing a lot of money i understand that from the game parks scenario they're struggling because they've got all these landowners down their throat but then they've got the the hunting public um you know, the Nebraska hunter that says, you know, you gave 50 tags these guys, and they got a lot I, of backlash on that. Well, yeah, I mean. And so, you know, they're trying to make landowners happy, but they're also trying to make the, the hunters happy, and they're, like, they're just trying to do the best thing possible. I think that they probably rushed this whole thing a little bit, but, I mean, you kind of just look up and you yeah. say, it is what it is. Yeah, and I... I, I I admit to the fact that I think there's just a lot more things that played into why they rushed it this year. I mean, the fact that everything's so expensive for crop, you know, just crop work this year from yeah. fertilizers to seed to diesel fuel to water in the western portion of the state. I mean, yeah, uh, the farmers are going to need probably every dollar that they can get from their land this year. So to the farmers listening... I'm like, I'm not saying that what you're saying isn't valid. I just yeah. wish there was a, a a better way. I just wish there was a better way. I mean, I, yep. No, I hear you. So, all right, guys. Well, I appreciate you guys uh, checking in and listening. Unless you have anything. Oh, no, okay. If, um, I mean, just if anybody's got anything, my DMs gentle. are open. <laughs> Well, we appreciate you guys listening. Thanks for popping in. Like I said, um, give us opinion. Love to hear it. Um, it's not a great black and white issue. And if you guys have another solution too, other than what we said, perfect. Send it our way. So we'd love to hear from you. Appreciate you guys listening to this and listen to the Bigger Hunters podcast. All right. Good night.